0: Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone. It's Ray
1: McLennan, and welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast.
0: And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Raimondo, how are you today? Are you well? Nigel, we're all
1: well. We live again in interesting times. It's ironic that that happens to be a Chinese quote, but uh, we do live in interesting times.
0: Uh, We do. We do. And Ray, um, you know, some of the things you were... You put me onto a uh, a particular video that was uh with a, a chap talking about tax and he just threw up loads of really big issues and i think look you said it just before we hit record we've got to address the elephant in the room what is the state of the world the state of the economy where are we what are we trying to do what does the future look like because you got to be thinking to yourself is this the time to be building a bunker and buying tins of baked beans, or <laughs> is this a time to be raising money, but raising it for the right thing? Mm. And, you know, that's what we're going to touch on. And, and I guess as as we kind of explore this a bit more, Ray, I, I was kind of joking. We don't want to go down the uh, conspiracy theory uh, podcast route. We want to keep this real. We want to keep this simple. But Ray, it's... um. As you say, interesting times. Uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. What What are your thoughts on, on the way the world is moving? Well, the big question was, uh, you know, all this money that's been put out, quantitative
1: easing and all the rest of it, how is it going to be paid for? So how are they going to raise the money to pay for all of that? And uh, that leads to the question of taxes and taxation. And the uh, YouTube video that I mentioned was uh, a guy called Dominic Frisby who was talking about how tax shaped our past and how it will shape our future. And he wrote a book called Daylight Robbery. And it's essentially the history of taxation and how taxes were brought in as a temporary measure, always as a temporary measure, always lower, and then lo and behold, they ramp up. And it goes into great detail about how just about every major event in the world revolves around tax, really and how a tax has been collected since time began talks about how you know even christianity the whole point of them going to bethlehem was for a census to
0: collect taxes
1: and it moves on from there i think when you
0: say, i was going to say when you say they you mean mary and joseph yes the, the whole story of christianity would have been very different had the romans not been pressing for tax and saying you need to register you need to register get yourself back there you know, town of your birth and or wherever you're from, get back there, register, pay your tax, because if you didn't realise, there's a crisis. And you know what he talks about the fact that uh, it's very hard to implement any tax unless you can say there is a crisis. Yes. And what sort of day and age are we in at the moment, Ray? Well, that's it. I mean, a crisis.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The pandemic. If they look at, um, or if you look at where we are in the state of the world and so on and so on, it has to be paid for. There is no denying that, that all of this has to be paid for. And if you have an economy uh, that's effectively, well, just take like a business. Imagine a a business goes for a year and it has no income. It doesn't generate any wealth. It doesn't do anything, but it's still got to sustain itself. It's on life support, but that still has to be paid for somewhere. So how do they raise the money for that the inevitable thing is to say well we'll put up taxes but here's the dilemma if you put up taxes i mean if it goes back to anything like it was in the 1970s where you know they needed to raise money they went to the the government of the day went to the international monetary fund to to you know the begging bowl to put the hand out to get money and then there was austerity measures and all the rest of it i mean you know i hope we're not going to go back to that but there's always the downside and there's always the unintended consequences and the unintended consequences of that taxation rise uh, was that all the creative people left the country and it was harder then than it is now, I mean now people can work from anywhere, so uh, that's probably why there's a global discussion on a corporation tax to try and level it out across the world but how long is that going to take?
0: Yeah, I I mean there's there's probably some some big issues here in terms of uh, a lot of people are talking about who controls what. And is it big government? Is it small government? Is it corporations? Is it uh, individuals? And it's maybe there's a battle for control on this. And uh, we'll, we'll have a quick chat about that. There's obviously the fear of jobs in the future and the rise of AI, machine learning, robotics, etc. cetera. Um, as you say, before the pandemic, uh, people talked about being able to work anywhere, the laptop lifestyle and being able to be on a sunny beach and still run your business. And it was kind of people went, yeah, 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 I get it. But, you know, and then there's this, that and the other 18 months or so of, of people working from home. And now nobody thinks twice about it. So that one's, uh, you know, really come in. But for me, one of the, the biggest things is the. The proportion of our economy at the moment, which is all based around entertainment of one form or or another. Mm -hmm. So it's pubs, it's drinking, it's nightclubs, it's theatre, it's cinemas, it's restaurants. It's all the things that we do that are actually not productive in in many ways. We're not creating anything. We are finding ways of, uh, you know, consuming our time. With entertainment or some sort of reward, uh, so these these issues control jobs, uh, what what type of economy we've got, and, and where you live, and if we go first of all to control, this is probably Ray the, the most contentious area for this, and and when you're looking at how to raise money, it's uh, governments do not like it when people can find ways of uh, raising money, uh, growing wealth. And they have no say on it. In in fact, they can't even see what you're doing. So there's a lot of things there. So you you look at the likes of uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And, you know, people, the kind of, well, hang on. The government is not in control of that. There is no government that is in charge of that particular cryptocurrency. But I see that they are wanting to launch their own cryptocurrencies, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an interesting thing. But tied in with this and the control, Ray, I'm going to come to you with this, making tax digital, mm-hmm. very soon, every single transaction and everything you do in a business will be instantly auditable by HMRC using AI machine learning. Um, and you will have every transaction and everything you have done uh, being scrutinized by uh You know, potentially HMRC on a basis for, have you done this correctly? Have you paid the right tax? Can we see what you're doing? They'll follow the chain of events through and see, is that person registered what they did? Because you say you've paid someone a thousand pounds. Have they registered that they earned a thousand pounds? All these things. Now, HMRC already have information from some of the big supermarkets um, with every transaction that's done on a credit card. So they have got access to all of these things. So control, Ray, mm. what are your thoughts on control and where we are and you know this situation of this tussle for the individual, the corporation or the state? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, uh, there has to be some form of centralised government. There has to be some form of centralised taxation. Again, n- no one would dispute that. It's necessary for the smooth running of the country, for the roads and all the bits and pieces and all the rest of it. The challenge I have is with the amounts, you know, they just keep putting the amounts up and then they tax absolutely everything. Um, there was a suggestion, and it, it, I've said this before, but it, I think he, he mentioned it in the book, that it's actually easier if uh, taxation is levied at a flat rate, just a flat rate. So if it was 10%, for example, or even 20%, something like that, people would just pay it. When taxes go down, the amount of revenue that's collected goes up. That that's that happens pretty much all the time. Um, I, you know, Alexander the Great was called Alexander the Great because when he conquered a country that had a higher taxation, he leveled it off and lowered it down and people happily paid it. So nobody minds, nobody grudges paying towards the central pot. It's the amount and it's also uh, the, so the percentage. And then there's all the get-out clauses and all the rest of it that people object to. And all the, you know, when you, when you see, you know, you read stories of, Um, business people who pay more tax than Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson or whatever it happens to be, you know, because they use all the get-out clauses that you can um, uh, and all the methods. Again, there's there's nothing wrong with these. They're they're in the rules. And if you play by the rules, as long as they're playing by the rules, you can uh, avoid tax, but you can't evade it. So um, I think when it comes to control, if it will... Level the playing field, that's fine. But if also it means it's just a flat rate straight across the board, then then that's fine. But if they have sort of a 40% for this and 20% for that and 26% for that, and then oh, by the way, you can get a tax rebate on this and that and the next thing. I mean, there is in the UK, there's a book called Tolly's Tax Guide. You'll have seen it, it's yellow. And I recall at university, when I was doing, you know, the the modules on tax, the the lecturer said that when he had started lecturing on tax, and you stacked Tolly's books up, they came up to his knee. So you you know you had a book on this this and you stacked them up and it came up to his knee. He said now now it it comes up to I think he said one foot above his head height when you stack all those books books up. You know, and again, you've probably heard the old story of, you know, the Ten Commandments contains 138 words and the Gettysburg Address contained 150 words and uh JFK's speech or Martin Luther King's speech contained, you know, 300 words and so on. And the EU Guide on Importing Cabbage contains 33,000 words. <laughs> you know, so it's just it's just nuts. That's where I think people have an objection to, because it's just you know, a conundrum wrapped inside an enigma, you know, and and it costs a lot of money to get tax advice to, you know, I I don't understand that why someone would pay, you know, 10,000 pounds to reduce a tax bill. Um, You know, why not just pay the tax because it's complicated. So make it simple. So when it comes to raising money from a government, I think the more they make it, The more simpler they make it, the more money they collect. And I don't understand why they don't grasp that and why they make it complicated. And I don't understand why government gets bigger and bigger, because, you know, that when we go back to the control issue, they, um, you know, they want to seem to control every aspect. That leads me to a quote that I wrote down by um, a guy called John James Cowperthwaite. And he was uh, responsible for Hong Kong from 1961 to 1971. And he decided that as long as the framework was right, the colony could uh, the colony was fine. And as people could as people in business could do the heavy lifting. Now he followed Adam Smith, who was the writer of the Wealth of Nations, another Scotsman, Cowperthwaite was a Scotsman. But he said uh, you know, he would have a lassie fair attitude. He would just let them get on with it. He would have as little, you know, they would have as little bureaucracy as possible, because he said, um, Uh, I trust the commercial judgment only of those who are themselves taking the risks. He said, when government gets into a business, it tends to make it uneconomic for anyone else. And I think that's absolutely true. It does. They just get in the way. They They need to let people who know what they're doing get on with it. They just need to provide a framework. And the framework should be law and order, roads, medicine, that sort of thing. But not get involved in the detail. So when it comes to governments taking control... Uh, I don't like when they get involved in the detail, but when it comes to the tax part, they have to get involved in certain parts of the detail. But if they made it a simpler process, you know, everyone can understand ten percent. Everyone can understand twenty percent. Then, that's where I think they should go. Otherwise, otherwise they run the risk if it gets too complicated because of the laptop, laptop lifestyle, and and also businesses can relocate anywhere. They will. They simply will.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the control issues, um, it's, a, it's a strange one. Um, they, they want to be able to, uh, to control things. But sometimes if you just posed the question and said, why, they wouldn't have an answer. It's because it's what they've always done. Uh, but uh, successive governments have come in and said, we're going to simplify tax. Before you know it, there's another 9,000 pages of, of tax documentation. I know Um the likes of Jimmy Carr and various other uh, celebs uh, were hauled over the coals in social media and all the rest of it over their, their tax arrangements. In reality, they didn't I, I, I stand to be corrected, but I don't think they did anything wrong no. in the eyes of the tax law. It was the moral approach, you know, the moral judgment of a few people who said no. Whereas sometimes some of those people should have just turned around and said, okay, has highlighted something interesting perhaps we ought to look at a solution for this so that um you know we're not all so outraged and uh and things like that but when it comes back to control when i was at going back, if we're gonna you know we'll go back like you know we did not quite as far as you ray but you know back into those mists the 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 foggy through the fog and the back in time back in time to university and I remember being asked, um, how did we see the world evolving? And I I said, you know, probably by about this time, because he had to throw it forward. I said, I, I reckon there'd be five five companies that ran the world. Now, I would not have, have picked Google, Facebook, Amazon, um, you know, and, and those sort of things, Microsoft or, or whoever, uh, because none of that had been invented. But mm. all I could see was the fact that uh, with globalization, these things were going to become, you know, across the nations, they would they would be the ones that would dictate to government what went on. And I think you're at that point now where, where there is this battle. And as we spoke about earlier, um, the, the problem that they've got is their tax system is based on products and services in the physical, you can see it, mm-hmm. you know, it's there, there's a factory, there's people that go to work and it's done like that when it's the digital world and it's digital information knowledge data they are, they haven't got things set up they don't know what they're doing and the and the trouble is data is data is power these days and they want control over the data so when we talk about uh, going back to section 24 for property and and taxing landlords on turnover um and unless you put it into a you incorporated put it into a A corporate structure, that must have, for those people that are thinking, what's all that? Go have a look at one of our episodes, or it's quite a long time ago, uh, the tax landlord bombshell. Um, Go have a listen to that. It's still relevant. It's now all in place. But people were, were absolutely baffled. But what was the government, in my mind, what was the government trying to do? It was trying to pick up on all these uh, accidental landlords who owned property, who took the money, who never declared it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so they wanted to know more about it. And, and so they made these tax rules, which made it very much uh, a sensible move to put it into a corporation. And uh, as soon as they've done that, the government starts to understand a bit more about who's who owns what and what's going on. But the interesting thing from, from this, the control uh, aspect, is who's going to win and cryptocurrencies because cryptocurrency is almost like a, a gold standard 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's pegging the value of, of what's going on to something that, that can't really change. And the is cryptocurrency go up in value. Um, it, it's because, you know, the government can't print more of it. The government's not in control of it. And you look at, what's going on, and you think the government do not like it when there is a massive investment in something that they have nothing to do with.
1: Talking about uh, um, cryptocurrency and things like that, um, Bitcoin, um, uh, there was an announcement by the government that they were looking at, or the British government, looking at Britcoin, and that Amazon might start taking it, and etc. cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it shot up. What happened? Why? Because a lot of people put their money into it you know, wealth moved into uh, digital assets, Um, you know, they they were all up, they shot up. I mean, Bitcoin has gone up, I think it's 212% in the last year. 212%. Now, uh, as we speak, it's down 2.78% in the past 24 hours, I'm looking at the thing here. Um, But uh, there's no denying that people are looking for alternatives because they're not trusting in fiat currency, and they're thinking that there's going to be massive inflation coming along because of all the quantitative easing and all the money that's been pumped into the economy and so on. Um, and buying power, people's buying power with with cash is is massively down, massively down, unless you've got assets. If you have no assets, you're going to get left behind. You know, there was an article in one of the newspapers last week that uh, your house will earn more than you do this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the, right. This is, uh, this is a really interesting thing because here for the podcast listener, you're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, right, what's going on? Where should I invest? What should I do with my money? Uh, you, you're talking about we'll come on to the economy and the, and the structure of the economy. But that idea of um, if, if you are if you own assets – the taxation rules on assets are very different to the taxation rules on uh, you or I who's going out to work and trying to earn money. So exchanging your time for money uh, in whatever endeavor you do, the taxation on that is very different to the taxation on your assets. And fundamentally, Ray, if you own assets, you're only gonna pay tax on those assets when you sell them. Yep. Um, So it's it's a weird one. In in terms of, and also, the way that those assets generate money uh, can be taxed at a very different rate to way uh, to the way that you earn money through employment. So you've got lots of different tax rates and and what uh, one of the interesting points of of this is, okay, the job situation: Are you going to be replaced by a robot, artificial intelligence? There's worries over that and the effect on the economy, the effect on uh, who's actually going to have a job? How do we support people without jobs? All these issues, and you should be thinking to yourself: Okay, do I try and get a job, earn as much money as I as fast as I can, and stick it in the bank and hope I'm all right, or do you try and raise money now and purchase assets? Because the the ability of assets to ride through this is probably far far stronger than you know, you relying on the employment market um, mm. or, or even to some extent the business industry, you know, whichever industry you're in, um, business is under pressure. And depending on what it is, it's under huge pressure or lesser pressure. Uh, so you've got this weird situation, as you say, if you and your family and a few episodes ago, we were talking about how to avoid paying taxes uh, for legacy your wealth mm-hmm. um you're in a situation now ray where really the more i look at this the more i'm thinking you should be borrowing money to buy assets yeah what, what's your thought on that
1: yeah well with interest rates incredibly low um yes that will have an effect um but yes that's what people are doing they are borrowing money and they are buying assets you know assets like property assets like gold like watches like cars like wine and all sorts of things um Uh, but yes, there will be uh, a capital gains tax. There is a capital gains tax that's levied on any gain that you make, but you only pay that when you dispose of the asset. Um, But there might be a time when you don't need to dispose of the asset. Why would you want to dispose of the asset? You can borrow against the asset when interest rates are so incredibly low, and that's what people are doing. Exactly. One great way of of raising money is, uh, you know, you've got your assets. The assets grow in value. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day there, um, they bought something for about a million quid, something like five years ago. It's worth 4 million now. Um, and when they bought it, the million pounds, they borrowed, I think, eight, seven or 800,000 against it. And now they can um, borrow up to 50%. So now they can get 2 million pounds out. So when you take that 2 million pounds out, you're not paying any tax on it because it's borrowing. And then you can use that to buy other assets. And do the same again. That's that's what people are doing. So one great way of raising money is to uh, is to increase the number of assets that you have, because when when interest rates are low and when inflation goes up, it's going to erode the value of the debt. It's going to make you um, much better off in the long run. And then you don't have to dispose of the assets. You could leave them to somebody. You can you know uh, in certain cases you can get married and gift them to someone. <laughs> so there's all sorts of ways of, of doing it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the key thing really, right, is don't forget um, raising a mortgage on a, a property is tax free cash. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the key thing. And uh, it, as you say, if, if assets are, are rising uh, consistently and you only need to look back over 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, a 1, thousand years, they are uh, so especially property um, in this in the U.K., there's the ability to continually go back and refinance that and take out another chunk of tax-free cash, and with the, as you say, interest rates so low, the repayments were easily covered by the uh, income generated by the uh, by the asset. And and hey, okay, you're you now you know earning money, as it were, by borrowing, mm. um, and the asset is always uh, outpacing the the debt. It's a it's a crazy state of affairs. And here's the thing, Ray, when you're talking about the consistent taxing level of 10 or 20%, um, how would you tax that? Because you turn around and say, well, you're (laughs) you're actually earning money from that asset, but you are not paying tax on it. Is that fair? Well, this is where I think people throw in the land tax, land value tax, the asset tax, Uh, and various other things so whereas at the moment you've got to crystallize so in other words you've got to buy or sell something uh, for an asset to typically be taxed this one it would be well we'll make an assessment on the value of it and we'll tax you on that um you know so ray we've gone from making it simpler to suddenly we've thrown in a few more complications but the the key thing on this is um is your job safe is your industry safe? Is the whole of that industry in the country you are in safe? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of go, well, you know, who would bet on it these days? Who would bet on it? You um, know, because because you've got shops that don't need The only people you need are people to stock the shelves. And it won't be too long before a robot comes out and does that. People walk in with the app. The food is automatically detected, scanned, you know, and all the rest of it. And you walk out and the money's taken from your account because you had to register it before you went in. And you've done a shopping experience where, you know, it, it may not need anybody in the shop. Well, you're describing, is it Amazon Go? That's the story. Yeah, you- yeah. And, and you know, at the moment, I think there's still people there. They're still stocking shelves and stuff. But you could, you could literally sit in your car, in the backseat, have the car drive you to this place. You could have a wander around and, and come out having not seen anyone or or basically done anything. What sort of um, world are we heading towards, Ray? Well, I wrote
1: an e-book called 21 Sectors That Will Be Destroyed. I wrote it for 2021. Um, we'll put a link in the notes, but you can get it by going to theskillstack.com you go there um there is uh, an ebook which you can just download for free and uh it's i think it's about 56 pages long so it's quite quite chunky um and it, it details the 21 sectors and details the changes that will be made in those sectors and how it will affect you so you might be in one of those sectors if you are thinking about it wondering about it it pretty much affects most sectors some more than others but if you go there to uh, theskillstack.com, you'll be able to download uh, the 21 uh, sectors that are going to be affected badly.
0: Right. Here's the thing. Uh, Mortgage companies, very traditional. Mm -hmm. um, And one of the easiest ways to raise money is, uh, yes, I'd like to buy a house. And uh, yes, it's uh, £200,000. I'd like to borrow 150000 I've got £50,000 deposit. And the first question they say is, oh, tell me what you do and how much you earn. Now, if your if your sector is about to disappear, then I would be hot-footing it down whilst you are still employed uh, to make sure you can secure your position at the moment. Because as soon as it comes to raising money um, and mortgages, if you are talking about being self-employed, oh, I, I do a bit of this. I'm in the gig economy. I'm uh, I've just lost my job in here uh, in this sector in this in this thing i used to be a checkout person at a food shop but now they've got rid of me replaced me with a barcode scanner um you know these are the things that uh, you've got to think about here folks don't want to doom monger or scare monger, but it is a darn sight easier raising uh, or establishing a mortgage if you are in employment simply because it's traditional uh, the banks are geared up to recognise that. They're geared up to recognise a, a pay slip and your ability to pay. Um, if you can get in there and do it now, would you be recommending that, Ray?
1: Uh, it's the same with getting credit cards as well. If you're about to, <laughs> if you're about to leave, um, apply for a credit card. Get get a credit card. Have it available just as a backup. Not to necessarily use unless it's absolutely necessary, but, yeah, as a backup, I would say yes. So, yeah, mortgage and any other form of credit is much easier to get when you're already in employment or normal, formal employment, as they call it. Um, yeah.
0: You know, so remortg- remortgaging um,
1: yeah.
0: as well. If, if you're coming towards the end in the next few months and you're, you're thinking, crikey, I'm on furlough, I might not be going back and, and something like that. Just tentatively investigate what the situation is now, mm-hmm. because some of the rates, um, you know, they're below one percent, aren't they? I see Nationwide launch something at 0.99. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's that's crazy. As, as a kid, as a kid, here we go. I'd save my pocket money, and I remember, uh, you know, Christmas money, birthday money, and I'd be about ten, and I I'd got a hundred pounds, and believe me. It, in my head, I had spent that ten thousand different ways on all sorts of tat, rubbish, and things that you know I'd have used, broken, and thrown away. And my mum, I remember her saying, "Look, just leave it in, because every year they will give you ten pounds, because it was a ten percent interest rate." And I, all I could think of was leaving this hundred pounds, because someone was going to give me ten quid. For just the fact it was in that, to me, that blew my brains. It was kind of, that is, that is crazy. Why are they going to give me £10? He said, because that's what the interest rate is. And I just thought interest meant they were interested. <laughs> and it was a level of interest. Uh, in, And so they were really very interested in my £100. And so they were <laughs> going to give me 10 quid. But now you look at it, oh, my goodness. I got a message from one of my accounts. I said, we're adjusting your interest rate. And this was, a I don't know, a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. And it went, it said, we are now adjusting your interest rate. Your interest rate will be 0.01%. And I, I looked at the balance and I thought, I don't think that actually rounds up to a penny a year. <laughs> and I thought, I really ought to, and they wrote to me, they sent me the letter. And I felt like writing back saying, look, I'll tell you what, don't bother ever speaking to me again. Save the postage and add that pound to the account instead. Uh, that'll do me. Um, that means, but that it, means to get that 10 or no, you're going to have to have 100 grand in the bank. <laughs> oh, it, you know, that it's ridiculous, isn't it? So when you're looking at this, in the old days, you know, there was, uh, they used to call it the savings paradigm. Mm. And uh, they wanted people to save so that the banking um, sector had money to lend out and that, you know, you could circulate the money and, and the, the cycle of money for uh, lending and saving was good, but they didn't want people to save too much because that meant that people weren't spending, which mm-hmm. meant that uh, people didn't want to borrow because there was no point investing to do it. And you had this weird cycle of, we need people to save a certain amount, but not go beyond it. So we need, you know, a level to encourage people to save, but then discourage them from saving anymore. And now you look at it and you go, well, at 0.01, what the hell is the point of saving? Hmm. Uh, you know, and it's these are the people, Ray, that we we talk about here on the podcast. These are the people get into a conversation and find out who has got a hundred thousand pounds in the bank earning five five pounds a year and say to them, Well, do you want to earn ten pounds? I'll double <laughs> I'll double your return. You yeah. know, big. And, and get into assets, get into assets at the moment, because it, it seems like um, these are the things that are, are potentially going to ride out the changes that are coming our way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot a lot happening coming up over the next over the over the horizon. Um, uh, and the economy is a major factor in that, obviously. And uh, yeah. So when it comes to raising money, uh, if you have assets, then be mortgaging those assets if you can. Um, If you don't have assets and you have cash, then buy assets, because the cash is being eroded by inflation and inflation is going up. So if you've got, if you're you're getting, you know, some people, um, depending on how much money you have, you've got to have a hell of a lot, but you might get as much as 2% on your money which is immediately eroded by inflation, which is
0: yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, and Ray, that 2%, when you look at it, you got to lock it in for five years sometimes or something yeah, exactly. like that.
1: exactly. I was you talking know. to somebody, somebody the other day who has a, a tracker account, and they were going, oh, but I'm getting 6%. I'm getting 6% of my money. Yeah, but then you've got 2% fees, which is bringing it down to 4%, and then you've got 2% inflation, or inflation's even higher, so you're still only getting a pittance, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. assets are doing fine. Assets are going to, as, as the article said, your house will earn more than you will this year. And it probably will if you obviously own the house. So,
0: yeah. So in um, one, one thing that I, I mentioned at the beginning was um, sometimes it's very hard to understand what our economy is based upon and mm-hmm. what we actually do. So we talk about GDP and we talk about all these metrics and we talk about, you know our ranking in the world as to how big our economy and our economy is, and all those sort of things. But I think it what's really come home to roost is in this pandemic: is how many people are working in what they call the gig economy, mm-hmm. and then, as I say, the paucity of people working in um, industry. You know what we view as the traditional things: you create a, You know, creating something, something physical. Yeah. how few people we actually have in that sector and what have we got instead we've got uh, i remember i think it was um it was years ago when somebody said the the only employer bigger than the nhs is the people's republic of china's army or something i always used to be the the urban myth or whatever it, <laughs> god's sake i tell you what it could well be true because the public sector here we talk about big government small government the public sector it is massive so when you looked at the economy you went right hang on what shot what shut down and you went oh my goodness so much of our economy is based on people spending money for entertainment in mm. one shape or another so much is spent on food and so much uh in, in our um, society here, our economy is based on the public sector uh, supporting other people, which means it's tax-funded. And then, when you looked at the actual um, thing for the financial sector, we saw the effect of Brexit, mm-hmm. and we saw that the the capital is is going out of the uh, out of the UK. You look at the trading, uh, talk to anyone that trades, and they now say that is based on European time. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, people on the trading, it used to wait until London opened, and that has shifted to European time. So you can see that the influence of uh, the European hubs on trading is taking off. You've uh, spoken about uh, Scotland and the the Scottish economy and and how... Uncertainty there has, has led to you know people coming out of Scotland, and you look at it and you take the finances out, you take the public sector out, you take the entertainment thing out, and you go, what is our economy based on? And you go, holy smoke, not a lot. And you think to yourself, right, what is going to be the big employer in the future? And you think, well, we can't just keep putting more and more money into the NHS. You can't just keep putting more and more money into local government, or can you? You know where where does this work? You know how does it work? Because what you have is leakages in the economy, whereby you are uh, you, the products and services services that you're actually buying. If you don't make them in this country, they, they leave the country. So yes, you hire someone in the public sector and give them hundred pounds, they spend ninety of it. If eighty five of that leaves the country. Then there's not a lot coming back in to earn, earn money within the UK economy, and you can see countries around the world um, looking at how they can plug this and stop this happening. And do you put um, tariffs, controls? Uh, Trump came up with America First, so it was if you're going to build something out of America, if you're going to buy something not made in America, it was kind of sod you. Yeah. um you know yeah. we're going to keep it here in America and it's this protectionism and and all these things that are going on and um what does it leave us it leaves us with an economy right I'm going to leave you with this that's vulnerable energy my goodness me we've got the best opportunity to put all the engineering into UK companies to build uh, wind turbines, uh, eco energy things, mega battery, Um, farms or factories or whatever you call it. We've got everything to build it here, all the opportunities to do it. What are we doing? Our energy comes from outside the UK. We're vulnerable to energy. When it comes to food production, my goodness me, we could grow and, and everything we potentially, or instead of being 20%, 30%, it could be 60%. Cut down on carbon miles, employment there. We could do that. And then when it comes to, you know, um, a ship getting wedged in the Suez Canal, and it makes me laugh because a mate of mine, uh, he's MD of Audio Technica, and he had a a crate on there, you know, one of shipping containers, and he was livid. (laughs) He says, how can you, how can you, It's dead straight. He says, how can you, how can you miss? Uh, But anyway, (laughs) you know, you look at that and the knock-on effect, and we've spoken about this, we've chatted about it, and, Get your Christmas presents now because there's going to be shortages because the ships and the containers are in the wrong place. And you look at that and you go, we're vulnerable to everything that we want to buy is coming from outside the UK. You've got to look at the economy and say, right, folks, with all this chaos going on, people still need to live somewhere. They do. And Maybe the asset of the house is coming back to saying that is, you know, again, Another reason for looking at this. And, and when you're looking to raise money, it should be to raise money, not for the car, not for the uh, product that's been shipped halfway around the world. It's to look for the asset that's going to generate money for you in the future. There you go. I shall just, if you hear some, that's me climbing down from a soapbox. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> but Ray, I I need I need to lie down in a darkened room with a damp flannel over my forehead. I think after that, I think you do get myself worked up.
1: But, you know, we've still got we've got a lot to export. Don't worry about it. We're going to, you know, UK PLC raises money through uh, exporting crude oil, pharmaceutical products, electrical machinery, cars, mechanical machinery, all that. kind of, And plus all the expertise and finances and so on. Um, There's been a big export in um, brain, brain, shall we say. Uh, did you know the UK government has a nudge unit, a nudge unit, and that expertise they're they're selling all around the world. They're selling all around the world to other governments on how to, how to get people to do things that they want them to do. So <clears throat> I suppose to round this all off and finish it all off, we'll go back to tax, because the nudge unit was created um, to get people to pay their tax. And instead of threatening people, they decided to nudge them in the right direction by just simply saying, well, all your neighbours are paying their tax.
0: Yeah, and, it's and social, exactly, it's peer well, that, pressure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: exactly. That led to the tax revenues going up. So it does work. And they apply that all across the board. You can see it now and you can see it in the whole um, COVID pandemic thing, the way they're doing it. Although it's not so much a nudge, as a punch in the face, that kind of advertising. But that's that's another story. That's another podcast for another day. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a rabbit hole. I, I do apologise. I went off on one. I'm glad you've come back with saying that, hey, come on, folks, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel um look and it's got a name on it it, it says the Houndslow express and it's coming at you oh no 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 sorry no there is light at the end of the tunnel there are things there but folks these in in troubling times they always say um they have a a, a flight of money when things happen mm-hmm. and they often go to the commodities you know what do you need for things to function for the, for the world to keep turning and they'll go right that's risky Let's go to our safe havens and those safe havens are assets that they know will ride out uh, the storms uh, and have done for thousands of years and they will continue to do so. So when you're looking to raise money, look at raising the money. It makes such a better irresistible offer for an investor if you are investing in something that they look at and go, yeah, that's pretty low risk as well Mm -hmm. in this ever-changing world. But there we go.
1: Okay. Well, Thank on that bombshell, good discussion. Mm. Um, how do people raise money? Well, they get in touch with us. They can get in touch with us. We can help you to raise money if you're looking for money for a property proposal. Um, if you're looking to raise money against assets, we can help you with that. So you can get in touch. Um, there is a website called Raising Angel Finance, and there's an application form on there. And if you complete the form, we will get our team will get to work on it. So we can help. And if you want to download that. Document about the 21 industries, you can get that from theskillstack.com and uh, you can have a read at that to your heart's content. It's not all gloom and doom because it does contain suggestions in there of what you need to do as well. I don't like posing questions and saying it's all gloom and doom without at least coming up with at least one or two solutions or suggested solutions. So, well worth reading. Yeah,
0: and, anyway, and um, yeah, check out the website. We are uh, updating it. Uh, we've uh, expanded the team a bit to, to help out there um htrmoney.co.uk have a look there that we've got some uh, freebies uh, that you can get the uh, useful freebies to help you on that um and also uh, we are uh, developing uh, some of the training modules as well to help people go through the the steps to you know if you, if you're in a position where you're thinking oh my goodness you're so right i need to raise money for assets i need to get out there i need to do this but where the hell do i start Go to that website, first of all, www.htrmoney.co.uk. Obviously, keep listening to the podcast, keep reviewing. Um, The the reviews keep ticking up. I don't have it open at the moment, Ray. I don't know if you've got any there, but uh, the reviews, thank you so much. If you are enjoying the podcast, uh, do drop us a review on uh, the Apple Podcasts. Um, That seems to be the one that uh, most people listen on. And if you are from anywhere around the world and you've got a different take uh it's said the situation is different where you are we'd love to hear from you just send us drop us an email hello at htrmoney.co.uk and uh, we'd love to have a chat with you and if uh if there's anyone out there that fancies coming on the podcast because they've got a great angle again get in touch with us and we'll line up uh, having a chat with you if uh, if that's going to be uh, works for you, works for us. So that's that's really good. Right. Anything, uh, anything there? I can yeah, see you looking.
1: Uh, the number of ratings are climbing up. Uh, difficult subject made easy to digest and understand gives confidence to move forward with any plans you will have around raising finance. a must listen. Several exclamation marks from Jay. Thank you, Jay.
0: Brilliant. Um, Brilliant.
1: Brilliant. Rob, been listening for some time now. The banter is amusing. Great content and debate to keep it up, chaps. Oh, there we go. Thank you for what you do. Good quality content, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, Great stuff. We are, are 4.9 out of five. We, we were at five for a long, long time, but someone's given us a one-star review.
0: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I I thought I was pretty poor, so I put in a poor review about me. Um, uh, you're obviously uh, carrying me, Ray. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, right, excellent stuff. Thank you, Ray. Okay. I've been Ray McLennan. I'm still Nigel T. Best. We'll speak to you soon. See you, Bye-bye. folks. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?